and happy monday happy monday and welcome back to the podcast yes it's almost the end of october or it's definitely the end of october and we have two more months left of 2020 it's crazy we've been doing this podcast for almost a year mm-hmm. yeah i know we mentioned we talk about that a lot often and <laughs> to see how you know we're still we're still doing it and i think it's it's been fun it's been a lot of fun doing it with you maddie we we could have had a baby in the time that we did these episodes. <laughs> Fresh baby. <laughs> no one else thinks of time in terms of like having a baby. I don't know. Right. Well, today is a very special. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, I'm like totally stuck right now, Maddie. That's like literally caught me off guard. You're funny. See, this is what I love about you. Um, well, anyway, um, <laughs> well, today's a really special episode, um, and it's going to be a fun one because we have an awesome friend who is joining us on our podcast, um, our awesome friend, Brian Ruiz. So let's have everybody welcome him. Yay, hello, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all three of us actually went to Cal State Channel Islands together, and um have met like a couple times like passing and then like we were in the same club together so that's how we all know each other yeah so it's good to reunite virtually and yeah. at a distance and over the internet and it's a good time yeah well funny games here <laughs> yeah, sure. um yeah so before we actually um go into this episode um do um how about we do a quick icebreaker where each of us have to come up with a couple of movies that you know were filmed in the location that you're at right now. So since all three of us are in different locations at the moment, maybe now without looking at your phone, maybe give it about like two seconds or something, or just think of it at the top of your head. Like what's the first uh, movie that comes to your mind? So Brian, why don't you go first? <laughs> um, oh, it's easy. So, I was, I'm from LA, but born and raised in Inglewood. And the first movie that comes to mind is Iron Man 2. Because, you know, I live, you know, I live in Inglewood, and Inglewood's here, so that big old giant Randy's Donuts. And, you know, there was a scene in Iron Man 2 where um, Tony Stark was, you know, sitting on the donut and eating donuts. Um, so, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of, you know, of this question. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, is there anything else? Like, can you think of any other movies? Um, that's the first one I could think of. I know this is one movie. I can't remember the name. I knew it was called. It was called Dope. Um, uh-huh. I, I believe they filmed that movie in Inglewood High. Um, so yeah, it's another movie that pops in my head. But yeah, those two are particular mainly. Nice. That's a good one, Maddie. What about you? Um, I don't have a movie. I have a TV show which is Veronica Mars. Um, and I'm a really dangerous person to watch that show with because I would just point out place after place of like, oh, I've been there. Oh, I know where that is. Because um, it was filmed all over San Diego. Um, and the high school that they actually filmed the show at is a real high school. So you can actually drive by it and 
see it, and it's really neat. So Veronica Mars is the one that comes to mind for me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not home right now. I'm actually in San Francisco on a solo trip, so there's a lot of movies that come to mind where, um, you know, where they were, um, where San Francisco is like taking place. So I think what I can think of is Mrs. Doubtfire. That's definitely one movie. <laughs> that's a very iconic movie. From San I actually just saw the house today. I went to go find it, and it's um, it's very different from the movie. They kind of re reach, um, they kind of changed it, like you know, since it was filmed in 1991 or something like that. Um, the Princess Diaries. That's another one. <laughs> um, Ant Man and the Wasp. That's another one. I think that took place in San Francisco, right? Yeah. I watched it all the way through. Okay, Brian knows. Brian came through. <laughs> I believe so. I hope, I hope no one like you know looks back and is like, oh wait, no, he was wrong. But I, I'm pretty sure it was. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I don't know if this technically counts, but have you guys seen Big Hero Six, the Disney movie? Yes. Okay, I know they called it San Fran Tokyo, but I can just say like that takes place in San Francisco. Can we just call it that? Yeah, why not? Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> that was a good movie too. Yeah, yeah it was. Dude, there's like so many other movies that take place in San Francisco. I can't, I can't even like, you know, think of any other ones. I just thought of top four. <laughs> so, okay, there we go. All right, so um, Maddie, do you want to explain like what our podcast is about or our episode is about today? Yeah, so the icebreaker was kind of a hint in today's podcast. We are going to be talking about some of our favorite soundtracks, and I included film scores on mine. I hope that's okay. I did um, too. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. So soundtracks and film scores, um, and I'm guessing these are probably some of our favorite movies if we even go so far as to like the soundtrack and film score. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic because I love listening to soundtracks. I play them a lot at work, um, and so many different ones and so many different movies. So I'm excited to get into this one today. Yeah, yeah, and Brian's actually a really big movie person, so that's why I wanted to like um, invite him on this episode because I know, like, you know, when um, we've had, I know Brian, we've had a couple talks about like different movies from the times like we hung out in college. So I think that's like one thing that like you know we definitely have in common is you know, our love for movies and things like that. So I can't wait to hear like your favorite um, soundtrack and scores. So um, do you want to talk about some, some of your favorites? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because I went back a lot on which ones I would pick. Like, it was like I'll, I'll say, okay, I got my my list and then I'll wake up the next day like, oh, wait, no, I'm going to talk about this one. So I had to like switch some out. <laughs> Actually, I switched one out um, yesterday. So... <laughs> So yeah, it's been really fun, and I'm so happy I'm here. Um, the first one is a movie that's very dear to me, and is La La Land. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great movie. I think it's like when I look at that movie, it's based like a love letter mm-hmm. to anyone that grew up um, in LA. And one of my favorite scenes is literally right when it opens, when it happened musical. Um, I believe it was called Another Day, Another Day of Sun. Yeah, and it's funny because when that scene opens, he's just literally the perfect example of LA life. Just people just stuck on a freeway, and then just everyone just starts dancing mm-hmm. and singing. And what's cool about that scene is that if you look close, like 
has so much detail where like everyone's wearing like you know bright colors and you know they're all dancing in the car and like, like just the music of it sounds really good, cool and you, even if you just look at the background you could see like downtown LA from far away but yeah I think that that movie is definitely something that's really uh really one of my favorites and even the just when it goes just straight up score and non-musical there's that song um, City of Stars which is mm-hmm. <laughs> literally one of my favorite scores of all time like i can listen to any version of that whatsoever and i'm always gonna like it <laughs> that's really cool. um yeah so i think i only watched la la land like one time but i remember the music being incredible i think oh, they yeah. did a really good job on the music my my brother is a trumpet player and he goes to school in la and it took the longest time for him to watch La La Land. And I kept telling him, you have to watch La La Land. You're studying music in L.A., dude. Come on. And eventually he watched it. And now whenever it's on, we watch it together. It's one of our favorite movies to watch together. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a good one. It's the music. It's very classic. And I don't think that soundtrack will ever really go out of style. Well, I, I, I agree. You know, I, I went out of my way to buy the vinyl. Of the, of the soundtrack and it's like it's an all blue um disc and yeah you know it's it's just a great movie that's just you know combined you know music as like from voice from voicing and just from you know instrumental um playing you know there's a scene in that movie um when they go to the, the observatory and um by the way anyone listening to this who's um, never been to la <laughs> um i love the movie everything about it um this is my only complaint and that is that in that scene, it is just um, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling in the Griffith Observatory, you know, dancing and, it's, you know, just hanging around. And in real life, that's not true. Went to the Griffith Observatory in real life. It's just a crowd <laughs> of people. Uh, you can't, if you want to ever dance like Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, it's impossible. Don't even try. Even one day, but um, <laughs> even so, that scene, it's amazing. You know, I just love, like, the, the piano playing in the score and you know it's funny because there's a scene where they sit down like in a little like theater section of the observatory and you know it looks like a very realistic you know setting and it literally just goes straight to like fantasy land where they're like dancing like in the sky in the clouds and the music just really just lifts up um but yeah i could talk i could talk about about that movie all day um great film you know if anyone hasn't seen it yet please do it's absolutely amazing i personally when it comes to, you know, movies that dive into, you know, romantic comedies or whatsoever, um, sometimes they don't really make it like a realistic setting. Um, this one, I think it does. And on top of that, you get just amazing scores, you know. One, one of my favorite moments in that movie is when the two main characters um, go on a date and then, you know, they're just, you know, t- chatting and, you know, beginning there's not, they're not having a good time. And you see, like, Ryan Gosling, like, singing, like, oh, like, I'm trying to remember what he said, but he was singing, like, oh, this can never be, and then he's literally saying how he's not having a good time with her while singing. Um, it's absolutely hilarious, but it's just brilliant, like, all, all around. Yeah, that's good. I love La La Land. Yeah. Yeah. I can follow that up with a soundtrack about a movie that takes place in L.A. Oh, okay. But way off in the future, in a very dark, Bad future, uh, which would have been 2019, um, 
This movie was made in the 80s, um, but that's the soundtrack to Blade Runner by Vangelis. <laughs> you were from LA. I was like, Brian's gonna know. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite soundtracks um, to listen to, especially as we get to this time of year when it's a little bit darker out or earlier. Um, and Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies. It's a movie that my family loves, um, and it was kind of like a rite of passage to watch this movie. Um, and I remember growing up, the CD for it lived in its case in a drawer in our kitchen, and my mom would put it on every once in a while, and it was just this very dark moody atmospheric soundtrack and the story takes place in a future that they thought was in 2019 and didn't um, but it's a very dark future cyberpunk-esque future um things are not going right <laughs> um and it's, it's basically a dark futuristic detective story so there's kind of this jazz um influence as well um but I think what's really neat about this soundtrack is for Vangelis to create it and put together the score, mm -hmm. he didn't really have a point of reference because he was writing music for a time that didn't exist and that they didn't know would exist or not. Um, but when you listen to it, especially with the movie, it just heightens the emotions so much more and the kind of, the main character, Decker, he's kind of confused about who he is and what he is. And the music to me really just adds to his like struggle. Like you can hear his struggle in the music, um, but not like in an overpowering way. And I had the uh, luck a year ago, so to see this movie in theaters. And again, this movie came out in the 80s, so I didn't get to see it in theaters. Um, but when I saw it in theaters, I was blown away to hear the score in a movie theater. It just took the movie to another level um, but that that will always be one of my favorite soundtracks because it's it's part of my family it's just dark and broody and dreamy um and it's great and a couple years ago i was in la and i went by the ray bradbury building and i was like oh, here you know and it was just it was so neat so it's, it's such a part of la i think that movie um and again the soundtrack just takes it to that future la that we don't know, um, but it just takes it to another place. So that's definitely one of my favorites mm -hmm. of all time. I always feel like wherever a movie takes place, that city or or country or wherever they're being filled at really needs to fit in with the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. so I totally like that where where you're saying. I haven't really, I haven't actually ever seen Blade Runner, but I totally like understand like you know your analysis of like what you were trying to say. So I think that really makes a lot of sense because if you think about other movies um, that like, you know, you've seen and it either takes place in like another country or another state, it's like there's there's a thing that goes with it. So if it's like a country movie, of course, it's going to have country western, like, you know, songs to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, 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 oh, sorry. What did you say? No, no, you go, Brian. Go for it. <laughs> No, I wouldn't say like, yeah, like I'm so glad you mentioned that, Maddie, but that was actually one of the soundtracks that I took out my list. Oh, so I'm so list. I just put it on like an hour <laughs> ago. So yeah. And one of the reasons why I love amazing film in general, but the music too, and I'm sure you agree with me. Um, one of the best pieces of music in that soundtrack is the, the song titled Tears in, um, in the Rain yeah, towards crazy. the end. And they had like the inner monologue. That is such an amazing scene like I, that's probably one of my most favorite scenes and film in general um i just love how like you know it's like big old like 
final battle type of setting, and then um, they play, you know, I don't want to spoil it, anyone hasn't seen it, but, like, you know, they play that, they play that song, and then, then you know, but the, the monologue behind that song, it's just perfectly, it's like the perfect, you know, puzzle pieces just going together. Um, it's, a, it's a great, great movie. <laughs> What's really cool about that song, Brian, and you, you probably know this, but in the sequel, uh, Blade Runner 2049, they actually used that song again. So Hans Zimmer did the score for that movie. They reused that song. And the first time I noticed that when I was listening to the soundtrack, I was really confused because I was like, wait, I was like, no, that's, that's on the other soundtrack, but they're the same title, same song. So it's kind of interesting that they reuse that. But I think they knew how important that song was in that scene in the original movie. And so they made it a point to use it again. So, oh, yeah, such a good movie, Angie. We'll have to get you to watch that real soon. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely, um, I definitely want to see it now that you've, like, you know, talked about, like, the whole soundtrack and everything. So now I feel um, the energy and the, um, I feel pumped now to watch it. So now I know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Maddie. So, um, for me, a soundtrack that I really enjoyed. So, so sometimes I actually get confused between like a soundtrack and a score. Right? I mean, they're kind of the same in some way, but um, I think a soundtrack that I really enjoyed was, I'm going to actually talk about two. Um, I can make it as short as I can, but uh, I really love um, the Ghost Kill Bill um, soundtrack from, um, you know, Kill Bill by Quentin Tarantino. Um, just everything that's like every like um, song that they have put in all of the scenes has really made it so entertaining. So either they got like other artists to like sing them, or they just like you know made the music. And I just think that like you know I think that's what made that um, movie really successful. It's just like the music that they like put into it. So like for example, um, there was a really good scene from Still Bill that. I just thought that this music like really like suited so well. What it was a scene where the bride was doing a sword fight with um, what's her name, Lucy Liu's character, and um, you know you had like that like intense like karate music in the background, and it's just like I don't know. I just I just got blown away by that soundtrack and just like the music that they put in every single like you know scene. So yeah, that and then like in Kill Bill Volume Two, I don't know if you guys have seen it either, but um, it's the part where the bride um fights against um Ellie Driver, the one with the patch on her eye. So you know they're like about to like you know they're about to fight one last time before she snatches her eyeball out, <laughs> and you have like that intense like music. So it's just like I don't know, it's like both those soundtracks really like get my adrenaline to like rush and just like it, it's like exciting at the same time. So um yeah. Um, I don't know, like, who composed that whole, both those albums. I haven't had the time to actually, like, you know, research it as much, but those, those are some of them that, like, you know, that, that comes up for me as, like, a great soundtrack um, from the movie, so, yeah. And then another one I really enjoy is um, Dallas Buyers Club um, soundtrack. Um, and that movie is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's just... Um, it's it's one of those movies that kind of touch you in some sort of way. Like, even though you can't relate to it, you can like you can feel for each character in some sort of way. And it was just like a great story, and just the music to it was um, really inspiring in some sort of way. 
I think it just like, you know, it brought it brought a sense of like, you know, like Texas and things like that. It, it, you know, it's funny, it's because also too, like Matthew McConaughey is also from Texas too. So I think like it really like, you know, complimented his character, his, um, his roots too. So I think that's probably also why that movie was, was successful because he played like a, a true Texan person, which he, you know, he's, that's where his hometown is or that's where he's from. So um, for the composer to like really put, um, to put like, you know, all those songs together and just to make it like something like, you know, something that hits home, it's pretty cool. I just really enjoyed it. I love listening to that soundtrack when I'm editing photos. <laughs> One of my favorite bands has a song um, on that soundtrack. Um, the Airborne Toxic Event is one of my favorite bands, and they have the song um, To Hell and Back on there. And I remember being so excited when I found out they were going to have a song on there because they're not the biggest band. So for them to have a song on a movie soundtrack is super exciting. Um, and yeah. then yeah, that movie's just fantastic. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I had to throw in about about airborne traffic event. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you know what? I didn't actually pay attention to the soundtrack until I watched the Oscars when Dallas Buyers Club was nominated. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, obviously they were showing, like, a preview of the movie and, like, also having, like, you know, the theme songs and the score in the background whenever, like, Jared Leto and Matthew won an o- Oscar. And then, and then afterwards I started listening to it and I was just like – Man, this is probably why I loved it so much, and I didn't even think about it. <laughs> it was the music as well. Yeah. So, I yeah. never seen um, Dallas Buyers Club. That was always like on my list mm-hmm. of movies I need to watch. But now I feel like I have to watch it now that like I'm hearing <laughs> about it. Sounds pretty pretty cool. It's on Netflix so if you want to check it out. Like, go ahead. oh, now now I know what I'm doing this weekend. Because <laughs> <laughs> you might cry. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> It's a movie that's um, it can it can kind of like you know make you feel a certain way, but I think um, I think you'll enjoy it. I, I think you'll like you'll you'll really love like the storyline. It's a true story too. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well that's awesome, guys. Um, so what about like do you guys have like any like favorite composers of like you know who like you know come up with the scores and things like that. I know we're very familiar with like a lot of names. Like when you think of like Harry Potter, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, who's the first person that comes to mind? Uh, for me, it's John Williams. John Williams. Uh, yeah. And actually that is another movie I was going to talk about, which one of my favorite soundtracks in movies is actually a soundtrack to Star Wars Episode Three, um, Revenge of the Sith. It is That's so good. Awesome. And, Fun fact about me, that's actually the first ever CD ever bought for myself. Um, I think I was probably like around like 10 years old, and uh, I, was, I was a Star Wars family for, I've been mean, a fan for such a long time. And I remember I saw episode three, and this is how like affected I was by the the composer of that movie. Um, I, I rather than the movie finished, like uh, I think a couple days later, I want to go buy the soundtrack, and it's amazing. It's so cool. Um, I think one of my favorite um scenes in that movie and also um songs is uh you know the Anna Campers Obi-Wan fight while you know Yoda versus the Emperor and they have Battle of the Heroes and Anna Campers Obi-Wan um theme song playing that song those two songs they go together 
it is amazing. Like, it's just John Williams just going all out. Um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, I'm not sure if someone told him what he just thought about it, but, like, I, he literally just went all out. has so many instruments playing at the same time. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, a really, it's a really good um, really good um, soundtrack to listen to. And mm-hmm. another one, I actually wrote notes down <laughs> about, about what I was going to talk about. Um, oh, so there's another um, song in that movie. Uh, it's called uh, help me say it, it's the the immolation the immolation scene. It's a scene where you know Anakin, you know, you know, getting burned and all that. Um, so basically, yeah, um, little context. Um, you know, it's towards the end of the fight, and you know, the Anakin loses. I mean, this well, the movie's been out for a long time, so you haven't seen it now. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna talk about it. So Anakin loses the fight, and um, he's down, you know, on the ground, and then. Or one tells them like you're you were the chosen one like you're my brother and they play that song in the background and that yeah. wow it is such, so so heartbreaking like it's the perfect scene the perfect song for that moment and it's even more heartbreaking when you listen like this some like a little some history researching on the scene and there's like a cut line in the film where you know Anakin actually screams to Obi Wan you know please save me master. And then Obi Wan tells them like, um, "I love you, but I I'm, I won't save you." And it goes to the scene that says, "I hate you," which they, they cut that part out, but that's where the "I hate you" scene um, came from. And just the, the score just playing throughout that moment, it's wow. I think that I remember when I saw that as a kid, <laughs> I was my head is just exploding like, "Oh my gosh!" Just so many, just so much awesomeness happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, John Williams, wow, doubt. Um, He's such a great composer. You know, I love all his work from like Harry Potter and a bunch of other stuff. I think he's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I have a composer that I like a lot. Um, he doesn't do as happy of movies, but that's Clint Mansell. Um, and I was just telling Angie the other day about the sound. This is kind of the conversation that inspired us to do this podcast episode, um, but I was telling Angie about the movie Requiem for a Dream and Clint Mansell's soundtrack for that. And it's funnily enough, it's another movie Jared Leto is in. It was one of his first um, movies and it's really depressing. Um, It's about a group of friends and one of their moms and just their different addictions and their relationship to addiction. And I I saw this movie in high school um, and I remember like listening to the soundtrack while doing homework, because I was like, oh, it's a, it's, it's classical, it's okay to listen to while I do homework, and I noticed even then that it just gets darker as the plot of the movie gets darker, and I don't know how he managed to do that, um, but when you watch the movie, it just makes every bad decision the characters make that much more painful, because you see them doing it, you know it's going to negatively affect them, and then just the music just adds to the like anxiety of them, you know, waiting to pick up drugs or the, or the pain of when, you know, the deal falls through. Um, and it's just really tragic. And he also did the soundtrack for Black Swan, which I have to commend him for because he had to take a classical ballet for Swan Lake and manipulate it to fit this story and this character and somehow he did it and it's really neat because if you listen to the soundtrack for Black Swan you you hear the ballet it's definitely layered in there not even just like when they're doing the ballet performances um in the movie 
they're they're interwoven into the character's story, which is what happens to the character in Black Swan. I mean, her she can't tell if she's real or if the person she's portraying in the ballet is real, and he meshes that so well. Um, so he's one of my favorite composers. Um, on Netflix, the movie Rebecca recently came out, and he actually did the soundtrack for that um, as well. So he's all over the place. He's done a lot of different um, soundtracks. He also did the soundtrack for one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes, um, San Junipero. Junipero. Um, and I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, and it's this kind of synthy. It, the soundtrack reminded me of Blade Runner a little bit. Um, it's very synthy and kind of like dark and moody at times. Um, so he's awesome. He does a lot of different stuff. And I think he's really talented at creating that like tragedy and making you just feel it with his music. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, that's really cool, Maddie. I haven't seen Requiem for a Dream yet, but I'll definitely um, check it out. And I know, like, you know, we, we talk about Jared Leto all the time, so I'll definitely, like, you know, this is definitely a great way for me to, like, now go watch the movie because we both have, like, a love for him. So I can't wait to see it. And then I'll definitely, like, you know, keep in mind from what you said about the soundtrack. It's going to make it. It just makes it hurt. And especially the, the title track. I think it's kind of a meme now, but the way it's used in the movie, it's used like at the very end of the movie and it builds very slow and just these horrifying realizations set in in these final moments of the movie. And I remember the, after the first time I watched this movie and I think that the music just added to it, but after I finished watching it, I was like, this is the most scary movie I've ever seen. It was terrifying to me. I was like, this is a horror movie in a way. <laughs> Because it's just, it's just a very cautionary tale. So, yeah, I'll be curious to hear what you think of the movie and the music. And just, the, uh, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is happening. Oh, no, you know. So the music just increases that tenfold. <laughs> music is like, gets our blood pumping. Yes. Yes. So. I mean, can you guys just imagine movies without the music? Oh, that's like an entirely different world. I can never imagine a movie without music. <laughs> It wouldn't feel the same. It'd be really boring. Oh, yeah. Can, can you imagine, like, the opening of the Star Wars crawl? Does it even have that Star Wars, like, noise? Just this Star Wars, like, no, like, music? <laughs> Just quiet, like, crawling um, words for, like, two minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the sound of just wind because it's like, <laughs> outer space. Like, yeah. Yeah. That'd make it very <laughs> ominous to have that. That would be kind of neat, though. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> well, thank goodness music exists, and thank God, like, you know, it makes movies even so much better. Yeah. So. yeah. What about you, Angie? Do you have any favorite composers? Uh, yeah, I actually have two. I always pick two. I don't know why I always pick two. I can never just pick one thing, but that's okay. Um, so, a composer I really like is Danny Elfman. Um, and I'm sure that when you think of Danny Elfman, the first thing that's going to come to your mind is... Tim Burton. Tim Burton, yes. <laughs> um, and I have a little opinion on Tim Burton, but I'll talk about that after the podcast is over. Uh, so Danny Elfman, you know, is in charge of, like, you know, like everything that Tim Burton, not everything that Tim Burton does, but he's, you know, they've, they've collaborated many times together, and it really fits a lot of Tim Burton's films, so... Whenever I think of Danny Elfman, actually the first movie that comes to my mind is The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I think 
I, I would actually have to say that Nightmare Before Christmas is like one of my top 10 favorite soundtracks of all time. I think everything that that movie just like, you know, um, everything that that movie just is in general is just amazing. And the music just fits in so well. You definitely get, you definitely get Christmas and Halloween mixed together whenever you hear Danny Elfman's music. Literally, your mind can't go to anywhere else, but it's like, is it Halloween time? Is it Christmas? It doesn't matter because you know you're just enjoying it. But um, I just think I really think I really like that he brings like kind of like a um, I'm not gonna say goth, but like a um, like a dark side to the music. Like it's it's um, it's sweet, but it has like a dark darkness to it. If, if that makes any sense, because that's how I feel when I listen to. Um, I also really like the Edward Scissorhands um, soundtrack, especially the ice dance scene. You guys remember the ice dance scene? Please yeah. don't tell me that that scene did not make you a little bit emo. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's such a beautiful scene, like just that whole scene with that music in the background. And it's also a TikTok too. So <laughs> I, I think that's probably why I like the song even better now. Um, but I just think that I like the the fact that he also adds like people singing, like doing like oohs and ahs in the background. I think it really just like it makes like you know the soundtrack more like it has it brings the story to life. That's what I can. That's all I can say about it. Like, um, yeah. So I just think his music is very beautiful. Like everything that everything from like Corpse Bride to even Batman too. Like he did some of the Batman movies, and I totally forgot about that. Um, but yeah, he's he's just a great um, all-around composer. I think he's, um, I don't think he gets enough recognition. I feel like he only got recognition for Tim Burton films, not like anything else. I could be wrong, but that's just my opinion. Well, Danny Elfman, um, he also did the theme song for the original Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and which is my favorite uh, superhero theme of all time. Just, <laughs> he, he is a brilliant composer. I, like, I remember... Um, the first Spider-Man movie, the one from Tom McGuire that came out, that is the first movie I remember watching, like, in memory. Um, and when those three movies came out in theaters, and one of the things I always looked forward to, even as a kid, was when Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 came out, I was really looking forward to the first notes of Danny Elfman's um, music opening. Um, and it's just so, so powerful, that theme. Like, I go on and on how amazing <laughs> those three films are. But... Um, yeah, he's such a, a great composer. You know, he's done so many, so many great pieces of work. Mm-hmm. I know. I wish I, could, I wish I could hear more of his music in more movies because I feel like that was like the last time I've ever heard from him was when he did like the last couple like Timber movies. But I wish he, I wish we could hear more of him. But yeah. And then another um, composer I actually really like is um, Hans Zimmer. I'm sure everybody's familiar with him. Um, I think whenever I think of Hans Zimmer, my mind goes to the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. And the best, I think the best Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack that they, that Hans Zimmer has composed is um, At World's End. Um, I really loved, um, I actually really loved, I think that was probably my favorite um, Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Me too. Uh, I mean, because it, it got more intense. It was like really cool. There's the song, um, Drink up, me heart, and yo ho. It goes from like you know, the like the original like you know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean theme song, and then it kind of like collaborates in with like 
other like sounds to it. So that's what I really like about it. They have like a lot of like great violin, um, violin sounds and piano and everything. And then like just everything that they've like, you know, incorporated in this film just made like their scenes more intense. And I just, I, I think he's just a great, um, composer and you know I can also say that because when I also because he also has done um the the Dark Knight mm-hmm. uh, did the Dark Knight soundtrack and and um, I actually found something really interesting that um of how he actually made the music for Dark Knight was he actually um he made it he created it in his bedroom by using like different like uh, materials in his room it wasn't like this like actual like you know instruments there were like things that could use in his room and he like you know like did it from a fall. So it was really interesting. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then and then one song that I actually really love from him is um it's called Solomon and it's from Twelve Years a Slave. It's um one of the things songs to Twelve Years a Slave and you know I think he was perfect for that movie because he really can make the movie fit with a sad um storyline. So he's um he's one of my favorites, and I think he's a lot of he's other people's favorite too. So um, he deserves almost every Oscar that he composed. That's my opinion. I feel like him and John Williams are both like the top of the pyramid. You know that they're both up there. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. He's he's awesome. He's also one of your composers. Um, I think one of my favorite um themes ever done is the Interstellar um Yay. theme song. It is yeah, it's so beautiful. Like especially from how that song is like played oh, in the scene, which I won't say because it's amazing, but um, <laughs> it's wow. Like I just that is like one of the songs I will listen to. Like okay, I need to relax and you know do this you know do this work or whatever. Um, I'll play that song and it's just wow, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a real empathy. Yeah. So, did anybody pick any like funny movie soundtracks? Because I have I have at least one that's kind of like a I guess like a childhood movie type soundtrack. Did anybody else pick one like that? <laughs> I did it, but maybe I'll come up with something after you guys pick one. <laughs> Mine um, is um, Josie and the Pussycats, the live action one. And I always get, I feel like I get, I when I tell people that I love this movie and I'm very passionate about it, I either get what's that movie or I get that movie. And I think this movie is an underrated masterpiece. It's a commentary on capitalism and consumerism in our society. Oh and there's I don't understand how people don't like this movie more. They have a government conspiracy brainwashing plot. There's really great Y2K 90s fashion. There's really ridiculous one-liners. It's over the top. It's camp. Um, but I really love the soundtrack because it's one of the first things that really got me into like girl bands. And I feel like for me, this was kind of the gateway for like, no doubt, um, Bikini Kill and a lot of bands that I grew to love when I got older. Um, but a really fun fact about this soundtrack that I didn't know until I was older, um, when this movie originally came out in 2001, it was very hush-hush who, who was the band behind the music, because it's all these original songs, um, and it was really clear that Rachel Lake Hook 
who was playing Josie did not sing the song. So it was kind of, <laughs> you're like, I don't think she's singing that live. Um, so eventually it came out that it was Kay Hanley, who's the lead singer of Letters um, for Cleo. And it all kind of clicks when you listen to it. Um, it definitely sounds like their band. Um, but a lot of really big names also contributed to the songwriting and production on there. So there was Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne, who we lost this year to COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, and members of the Go-Go's and Anna Warnker from That Dog, which they actually used one of her songs um, and just covered it in the movie. Um, but like very, to me, totally underrated, but big part of my childhood. And if you asked me, if you told me like, for a million dollars, I had all I had to do was recite that entire entire soundtrack to you. I could do it, hands down. Um, it's it's amazing. I love it. Underrated, great, fantastic, amazing movie. Um, part of my childhood, but I still listen to it in 2020, and it's on Spotify now. So it's great to listen to and rock out to. We need some girl rock. <laughs> I've had times with Maddie where I we were we were in college and we would be in her car and she put the Josie and the Pussycats soundtrack on and I'd be like, Maddie, you know who the Josie and the Pussycats are. So those are some memories I have with you, dude. So Yeah, I know. I, I was wondering if you knew because in my old car all I had was a CD player. So I had all these childhood CDs. So I had Josie and the Pussycats and Hillary Duff and Avril Levine, but like Josie and the Pussycats was like the best to sing along to in college. So yeah, Angie and I are definitely it was good. It was a good time. <laughs> so they deserve a shout out for this. <laughs> you make everybody feel nostalgic with all your like two thousands music. That's what I love about you. Yeah, it was it was fun times in that car. Like, <laughs> oh well what can you listen to? The radio, you know, we don't get signal here and I'm like, either Hillary Duff Metamorphosis or Avril Levine under her skin. What do you want? It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Brian, do you have any? Um, yeah, well, speaking of, you know, music that we grew up with, um, possibly my favorite, you know, soundtrack of in, like, in a movie, and just on, like, on a personal, like, standpoint, um, is this, it's funny, but uh, this is the soundtrack to the Curious George movie Aww. by... Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. <laughs> that one. It is Jack Johnson. so that guy's that guy's awesome. Like in general, but like this soundtrack is so good. I mean, like I don't remember the movie too much. I saw some clips about it before I did this. Um, it is beautifully um, animated, but the soundtrack's so good. You know the song "Upside Down." You know I. Oh, I love it. It's a good song, and it's funny because um, that was one of the first um CDs I ever bought um when that movie came out. And it's interesting because when I was in second grade, yeah, I was in second grade, and the teacher was like, oh, you know, all right, kids, you know, do you bring your CD from home that you want to share with the class? And I brought the Curious George soundtrack. Like, yeah, like, uh, teacher, I got one. It's the Curious George soundtrack. And they played it. And then, like, I remember a lot of kids were dancing to them upside down. So that's a really good memory for me. But, yeah, it's a, it's a good um, soundtrack. And I, I even bought the bottom vinyl <laughs> well, regular, that's how much i love it um and when you buy it was cool a little fun fact about you know, when you buy the soundtrack it will come with a booklet and you know how you know, sometimes when you buy like a cd like they have like little lyrics um for this one when you buy this the booklet and the lyrics like it's kind of like drawn there's like a art in each you know 
uh, for each song. And the song, the art um, for the song reminds you of how like the original artwork was for you know Curious George when it was coming out in the beginning. Um, but yeah, bro, that's a very important uh, piece of music for me. <laughs> That's good. That's so like good to listen to even now. Like I've listened to that in the last few years. Just put it on for fun, and it's still really good. Like it doesn't. Yeah, it's good. That's a really good one. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And you know, it's it's funny because you know there's a lot of like um movies that when you release oh like music inspired by the movie, and then when you listen to the soundtrack, it has nothing to do with the movie like at all. But yeah. um this one, the Cure soundtrack, it's absolutely goes well with the tone for the movie. And even the songs that are aimed for kids, like the sharing, the sharing song and like the reuse, reuse, recycle song, those songs are super catchy. Like I'll still listen to that to this day if it comes out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to see the Curious George movie, but I do remember Jack Johnson having a music video for Upside Down. And the first thing I kind of remember is that he's like walking on rocks and then little George puts like a a banana peel and then he like slips into the water and so that <laughs> ocean that he falls into is like like crystal clear blue Hawaiian water that I'm just like I just want to go to Hawaii right now and just jump into that ocean. He actually like lives in Hawaii. I think I passed by um an area where he lived in like two years ago, but he lives near like this big um rock that people are um, can jump off of into an ocean and he usually goes there so um, I, de- I definitely think he brought like a lot of um, Hawaiian vibes, like you know, like his like you know, his home roots to that soundtrack in some sort of way. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. The, it's like a very relaxed, chill, beachy. I mean, I think that's his style, but yeah, it's, it's cute that it's definitely where I mean, maybe where he lives now has like an influence on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, that was cool. That was, I never expected that. <laughs> Um, but that was good that you brought that up, Brian. Yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. I could talk a, a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I found one. <laughs> laugh about it all the time. I laugh at this movie all the time. I think it's such a, a chick flick, but I feel like everybody has seen this movie at one point. And it's the Clueless soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> And I, I, I'm not gonna lie, like there's some pretty funny things in that movie. Um, but no, my sister actually, well, my sister and I shared a room until we were like, um, until I was 12 years old, and then she went off to college. But she had the clueless soundtrack, and I literally can remember like every single song that was like on that soundtrack. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh, I already know who that is. But um, you know. Um, when I look back, on, I, I like actually saw like the soundtrack like you know about a year ago or so because I was like, like who like is this even on Spotify? So I looked it up and I just realized like you know they got like um, some well-known '90s um, artists that are like still popular today. Like they have um, the Counting Crows, they have um, Radiohead, Beastie Boys, um, the Mighty Mighty Boston's, You know, definitely like you know. Those um, those artists that were so popular in the 90s like really contributed to that um, soundtrack because you know it did take place in the 90s obviously, but it was like I remember um, Cher the character Alicia Silverstone's character that she's um, plays in the movie. I remember she mentioned something about like what is it about col- college boys and crybaby music, and I'm just like, yep, that was Radiohead because Radiohead is crybaby music. <laughs> in my own opinion. So, um, 
So yeah, I just like that it had a mixture of like high school kind of like music that 90s kids would listen to as well as like, you know, more like um, young adult kind of music. So that's why I said like, you know, Counting Crows and Radiohead were kind of like in that category in some sort of way. But I think it had a mix of like, you know, some good, um, some good like, you know, songs like, um, like rock, hip hop, to like acoustic. So I think it's a really cool soundtrack. I I enjoy it. I, I think it's a really cool, um, really cool soundtrack to listen to when you're bored or after you watch the movie. You're like, okay, now it's time to listen to Clueless soundtrack. I think you made a good point. Like how many '90s bands there were on there because it's like a lot of the times the soundtracks for movies, or even like Brian was saying, like the songs that are inspired by the movie. Because I know a couple of those soundtracks and. They're just really good time capsules of that time and like the sounds of that time. Um, so it's a lot of fun to go back and listen to them, especially for like older movies because like 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 if someone asked about '90s music, you could hand them the Clueless soundtrack and be like, "Here you go, go, go check that out," and they'd be pretty fluent in '90s music, you know, or what was popular in the '90s at least. So they're kind of like little time capsules of what was popular at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think, though, that, like, movie soundtracks in the 90s were probably the best ones. <laughs> and I don't know what it was, but I like that they just, like, put, like, you know, the popular artists at that time and just, like, you know, made songs or just, like, took whatever it is from their albums and just, like, you know, just threw them in there. Cause, and, it, and it worked. It really did work. Yeah. I think they realized they could make a lot of money from soundtracks in the 90s and, you know musical acts are getting bigger and more popular and yeah so it's an interesting thing to think about yeah, yeah. and what's cool is that when you if you like the movie so much as you know if you buy the soundtrack then you you know find about new artists that you didn't know about and you only learned about just from you know because of that movie and that just leads to just being a new fan of an entirely different you know type of artist um yeah movie soundtracks are super cool <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoy them. It's, um, they just like you know, they they bring joy. I think they can bring joy to so many people, and I think it's just like if you're like so tired of listening to like the same thing you listen to over and over again, sometimes it's just cool to just wind down and just listen to just sounds like instruments. It doesn't even need to have like voices in it. Like you can just enjoy the sounds of instruments playing in the background. But yeah, that is. That is my opinion. <laughs> it's a great opinion. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, I think yeah. it's Quick question. What what soundtrack or score, soundtrack, whatever it is, do you guys think should have gotten more recognition for? Oh, that's easy. For me, is um, and, you know, I'm surprised not many people heard of this. Uh, it's the soundtrack to the animated film Anastasia. Uh, have you have you heard of it? Yes, it's, it's, love wow. I love that movie. I think that's the the movie that probably got me into musicals. Um, one song in uh, particular, it's um, I believe it's called Once Upon a December. Oh, wow, that's that is <laughs> like no words can explain how amazing that song is and the scene that is that is part of that song. Um, I was watching. I was rewatching that scene for for this thing. I was like kind of like analyzing it closely. And what was cool about that was that when basically you know Anastasia, she's you know in an empty like 
I believe it's an empty castle, and she's kind of like remembering like you know her life before. And you know it's a very like dusty like ballroom place. And when she's walking, you know there's you know paintings around her, and you know they look like you know very like Renaissance paintings. And you know when the music starts, it's very slow. You know piano make um, making the background, and she's just just her singing. And then when she like remembers like fully like, like those paintings um, come to life, and that's when like the songs just really just like live up, and like the, the music the music musical score just like goes every, all over the place. Um, so yeah, that's why I love that movie so much. And I'm surprised not many people hear about it. You know, when someone does hear about it, and they tell me, oh, it's a Disney movie, right? Oh no, no, it's not. It's not a Disney movie. It was like it has like that Disney like feel and animation. But you know, when it came out, it was actually produced by Fox. But I guess you say now it is Disney with Fox. But um, yeah, I think that's definitely one of those movies that I feel like it's underrated and for the music as well. Also, too, the guy from Back to the Future, Christopher Lloyd, he plays the villain, and he has a there's a musical piece on his character um, in the Dark of the Night, which is which is very ominous when you think about it. Because that song in the Dark of the Night is basically the villain, you know, wants to kill the main character, but Wow, dang, it is, it is so catchy. <laughs> so good. And I think, because I agree with you, like, that soundtrack is un- underrated, but what's interesting is they brought it to Broadway a couple years ago, and they left In the Dark of the Night out. That was not a part of the show. They cut it, and they what? added in. Right? It's like one of the best songs, and they cut it, and they added in a couple of new songs, but they, I think they took out Rasputin's villain character, and like, I, I never saw it in, on Broadway, but, like, if I had gone into it and seen it and then they didn't have that song, I would have been, like, really disappointed. So now I know, but I would have been disappointed if I walked in and then didn't know. Because <laughs> it's such a good song. <laughs> did they did at least include on Once Upon December? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, good. And, and that's the song, like, when they were promoting the show and they were doing, like, public, you know, performances of it. They, they always made sure to include that. Um, yeah. There's some costume differences, but the song the song is there. They, they added in a couple of really good songs, too. But, yeah, but In the Dark of the Night was just not not there for some reason. <laughs> Darn shame, yeah. Because the music in that movie is just so good in general, you know. This is um this is another song where, you know, the, the two uh, other characters, I forgot their name, but in, it was Dimitri and the other guy. The guy was always with him. Um, in the beginning of the film, um, they're, they're, they're con otters and there's literally like a musical piece of them like going to con people um, by tricking people that um, the woman that they found is um, actually Anastasia which you know she is Anastasia they don't know that um, and they're like oh yeah like it's literally a musical number them saying we're gonna become rich and you know con all these people and thinking that she's real Anastasia and it's so funny like the context of the songs in, in, in that movie but it's you know, it's it's really well done, and I, I hope you will uh, talk about it more. I hope there's a live action one day. I would totally love to see that. Oh my gosh, me <laughs> too. Yeah, live action. It's funny because I I I was a Twilight fan in middle school, and there's kind of been this renaissance of Twilight coming back this year, especially. And what's been really funny to me is I the soundtracks are getting popular again, um, and my favorite one is for the second movie, for New Moon, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of the best soundtracks. I never really hear anybody talk about it. It's become like a meme on TikTok, um, one of the songs in particular, <laughs> but it bugs me because I'm like, you guys don't understand. Like The soundtrack, the whole thing from start to finish is good. It's a time capsule of like mid-late 2000s, 2010s indie 
alt-things. You have the Killers, Radiohead, uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, OK Go, um, St. Vincent is in there, um, Death Cab for Cutie, like, they all have a song on there, and it's just, it's the perfect fall album, and, like, I'm half getting recognized now, but I still think it's a little underrated, um, and the first Twilight soundtrack, too, is... <laughs> good because a lot of the songs were handpicked by the director um who was an indie director for the first movie um and Kristen Stewart actually picked one of the big songs for the movie that's played at the end of their dance um by Iron and Wine and then of course Paramore that they don't, that album only served to propel Paramore further into stardom they had two songs on it um but underrated I wish I wish people knew in 2008 and 2009 how good those soundtracks were, because now, now they're everywhere. But back in the day, that was on my little iPod, on my little iPod Nano, my orange iPod Nano. Oh, iPod Nano. A little black one. Yes. <laughs> I think I had a light blue one, like a metallic blue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were so fun. And now with the iPhones, the colors aren't that fun anymore. They're like black, gray, white. They got pink. Pink or blue. They, the new phones don't have pink, which I'm very... Dis- I'm like, I don't want a new phone if it's not going to be pink. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I remember there was, like, limited edition ones, too. Like, oh, get the iPod, iPod Nano, like, red for like, the holidays. I think that's what it was. Um, but, um, Maddie, I would like to make a personal statement adding on, adding on what you said. And that is that I personally think that one of the best movie soundtracks of all time, and get ready for this, is Twilight's uh, Break It Down... Part one. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, look, okay, yeah, Bruno Mars in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, um, It Will Rain, which is funny because I remember that, I think I remember that, that song being played like in like a middle school dance or something like that. <laughs> but, but yeah, you got um, Bruno Mars. Uh, you got Sleeping at Last, so one of my favorite bands. Um, and Part two is pretty good. I mean, part two, you yeah, had Green Day. You know, it's, it's pretty awesome. You have in part two. Yeah. And, um, but part one, you also had Christina Perry in that. Um, and yeah, I, that's just my opinion. But yeah, I think that, that soundtrack is probably one of the best soundtracks in movie history. <laughs> Christina Perry is literally the definition of Twilight. <laughs> I mean, her song on there, A Thousand Years, that's like, that, that song is still big. And I just, I'd love, I wish someone could keep a record of how many first dance songs at weddings that song has been because I feel like even now people still use it but it's such a good song it's 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 sappy but it's a good song and yeah, yeah. I still think though, that Paramore's decode is probably one of the best Twilight songs out of all the it's, it's so good so I don't know if you knew this fun trivia fact um but my friend Pauline loves to tell me this fact all the time which is My Chemical Romance was approached to write songs for twilight and really? they said no they were not interested. <laughs> um and in retaliation on their album danger days the very last song is a song called vampire money and it fits the concept story of the album because there are these bad guys who are uh like drax or drake they're kind of short for like dracula or whatever so it kind of fits the narrative but when you really listen they're they're making fun of her vampires being sparkly and as, as a band my chemical romance especially gerard way kind of the gothy 
you know, basement dudes uh, who, you know, very particular about their breed of vampire. And I just don't think they could support Twilight's right. <laughs> concept of a vampire. So Vampire Money is a fun song to listen to because they're totally poking fun at Twilight. <laughs> and I just, I think they were like, nah, like, we're not going to take the money for that. They were like, we're good. <laughs> so they just wrote a song about it instead. <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> Honestly, in my opinion, I'm kind of glad they didn't because I don't know how well my chemical romance would have done on a Twilight soundtrack. I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like they're too, a little bit too hardcore. Like, I understand Lincoln Park is a hardcore band, but they were they were able to fit right in. Because, you know, Chester's voice can literally be soothing at the same time. It's not about him always screaming. So, so yeah, I mean, but that's really interesting. I didn't know that, Maddie. <laughs> I'm yeah. like both about that. Yeah, it's a really good song. Um, the beginning of it is kind of like a Ramon's song, um, like Blitzkrieg Bop, um, kind of picking up like, "Are you ready?" You know. But yeah, but the the lyrics is there. There there's a line um, that says, you know, "Sparkle like Bowie in the morning sun." So they so they get a David Bowie and a Twilight reference in one line, which is super impressive. Um, but yeah, but definitely it's just poking fun at the capitalism and Twilight and yeah, it's a good song. I recommend listening to it. And it, it, it changed my thoughts on that song when I found that out. And, um, yeah, yeah, there, 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 there are more connections between my chemical romance and Twilight, but I won't get into them now. <laughs> but, I mean, like, okay. I can see why they invited my chemical romance to be part of that soundtrack just because I, I you know it was very popular back then um i remember i remember um so i assumed like you know the people in, in the suits were like oh you know the, the kids love my chemical romance let's put them in twilight and they're like nah we're good yeah i'm sure too after like because paramore did well with their soundtrack and i, I don't know who got asked first i don't know that detailed of like an account but um you know i'm sure once paramore was successful with it you know or they kind of had that idea of like let's pick a kind of like hot topic band you know and paramore got it first and then yeah my chemical romance would i think for that time would kind of be up there with them or near them in like that age group that particular group of people's like interests so yeah i can totally see too why they would be approached um but yeah so i think i think angie's right it wouldn't i don't know if it would have worked it would depend on what what they did and which song Mm-hmm. We did. So yeah. vampire money would not have fit. <laughs> it's, it's funny how you say that because I remember when they announced uh, Green Day was going to have a song in the soundtrack, the part two of Bring It Dawn. And that, uh, which I was surprised they did that, but the the song The Forgotten, that worked really well with the movie. I never seen the movies, but like I, I know the songs. Um, but um, yeah, like it was, it's a really well done song. And I was like, every time I listen, I was like, oh yeah, like I see why they put this, they will put this in the movie. Um, but yeah, like I guess we'll never know, you know, how my romance will be in a Twilight movie. <laughs> so we have to go to the alternate timeline <laughs> to find out maybe. If they didn't make it, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So they did have a song um, in. Oh my goodness, what was the movie? It was a superhero movie, and they made it into a TV show recently on HBO. Um, with what's his name, Doctor Manhattan, isn't it? Oh, Watchmen. Watchmen, yeah, they had a song for the Watchmen soundtrack. Really good, but Gerard Way and I think the whole band, they're all big comic book nerds, 
so I can totally understand why they would jump at the opportunity to have a song in a Watchmen movie <laughs> then in Twilight. But they're like, oh, Watchmen? Yeah. I will book nerd cred. Yeah, let's go, guys. <laughs> it's funny that you had mentioned rock bands um, included in soundtracks because the first thing, uh, you just mentioned Ramones right now, Maddie. And literally, I can, the first thing that I think about when Ramones being on like a sound, like a movie soundtrack, my mind literally just went to um, House of a Thousand Corpses. So I just wanted to say, like, um, I know that they're not really a movie, it's not really a movie that everybody would want to see. So I think for the, all those horror movie fans, if you were bored and all that stuff, then this movie would probably be for you. But I, I know that Rob Zombie does a really good job when he, um, oh, excuse me, had a hiccup. Um, <laughs> Um, that whenever he's like, you know, when he directs his films, he t he sometimes tends to put like, you know, um, rock rock bands in um, in the movies, like you know, like their popular songs. Because I know, for example, um, the Devil's Rejects. Um, Maddie, I'm sure you've seen this movie. Um, you know the ending scene where they have um, Leonard Skinner's Free Bird. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's what I was just like thinking about. Like, um, I really like how like you know. Some like you know movies like that where it's like gory and stuff like that. They'll put like you know, like like those um you know popular bands from the seventies or the eighties and incorporate that in. So yeah, that's just something that a little random thought, but that was what my my mind to. That's where my mind went to right now. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, the music in the any Rob Zombie movie is usually um, pretty good because I think cause he's a musician and he has an ear yeah. for that stuff. So He knows his music, so he knows what he's doing when he's directing his films. He knows exactly what should be put in his film. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I would like to say, though, an underrated, <laughs> an underrated soundtrack, in my opinion, you guys can disagree with me if you want, but I would have to say it's the Shrek soundtrack. Oh, no, I agree. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I was wondering if someone was, was going to bring that one up. Oh, what? <laughs> Come on, is it not the coolest soundtrack ever, though? It's great. Wow. I, I like both the score and the soundtrack are really good. Yeah. I, that's my opinion. Like, you know, you got Smash Mouth, you got... Um, Counting Crows as well, but like, like not only like, well, I'm gonna actually exclude Shrek Three because I didn't really like Shrek Three very much, but I think the first and the second film had really good music to it. Yeah, the first and the second ones are, I think, the best ones. But yeah, the soundtracks are really good for both of those too. So. Yeah, actually, the intro song to Shrek, um, it's called Fairy Tale, I think. Um, that's actually included on my song for um, Spotify playlist, so I always enjoy like, listening to that one. It sounds very sweet. It just like kind of like introduces you to a um, fairy tale that you're about to like, you know, embark on, and then all of a sudden you got an ogre telling the story, and then he just, you know, comes out with all this funny humor. And then the park is wrong. So yeah, that's that was me. <laughs> that's a no, good one. I agree. You know, it, it's. You know, I love what I, one of the things I love about movies is that like it doesn't really matter if it's animated or live action. Like uh, they can use the music in any way they want to mm -hmm. improve the quality of it. Whatever, it's like you know something like Shrek or you know Blade Runner, two completely different movies. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, like the music, like it's just 
just so good, you know, like the, the theme song for Shrek, like not like, you know, the musical theme song, like just the legit score of Shrek. Um, it adds, that is just on itself, it's really good. Yeah, for sure. The most important, um, most important object that needs to be used in a movie is music. You can't have a movie without music. I feel like the music is kind of, it's a part of the story, but it's also, I mean, a character itself. It's in the background, but yeah, I feel like I agree with you. You can't have a movie. It's a movie without the music. Right. Yeah. You know, when I, when I think of a, like a one a movie with one scene that would be completely different, it was like a different song would be the movie um Into the Spider Verse, and there's yeah, a scene yeah. where Miles Miles Morales um jumps off the building, and the song What's Up Danger plays yeah. in the background, and I, I remember that's probably you know there's moments where I go to movie theaters and I think oh wow like this moment right here is one of my favorite moments of all time in the movies, and that scene where What's Up Danger being played. It's so cool. Like, I can't imagine any other song being played besides that song. And you had, like, the, the camera, like, basically upside down, going slow motion. Um, yeah, it's just so powerful how it can make a huge impact, like, on a film. Like, if it was a different song playing, like, um, on that moment. Like, let's say, like, Funky Town <laughs> was playing on, on Inside What's Up Danger. That would be completely, like, completely different. Um, but yeah, that's the moment right there where I think, yeah, like, that's, that's, that's real cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I really enjoy talking to you guys about um, our favorite soundtracks and scores because, you know, you don't really get a lot of people who are um, movie people because, like, you know, how many people have you, like, talked to and they're just like, what movie is that? What song is that? Then it's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. It's like, where's have no. Real real friends know how to geek out over movies and their scores and soundtracks. <laughs> hey, yeah. And I think like also too, I think our parents are responsible for that because we didn't they didn't take us to the movies. If we didn't watch movies, then we probably wouldn't be where we're at as well. Totally. So yeah. I wish the movies were opening, but one day when when movies open back up again, I can't wait to see the new movies and what new um, scores will um, will be brought to the, the big screen. Oh, I can't wait. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to order a large popcorn by those <laughs> movie, moving dining we order alcohol and just have a good time. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm going all out for the movies. What, what was the last movie you guys saw in theaters? Because I remember the last movie I saw, but I'm not sure if other people... Remember, the last movie I saw was The Invisible Man, which is like not great. But I know some people, their last movie was Cats, so I don't feel too bad. (laughs) Well, actually, I went to the movies in Orange County about the last week of September. Me and Mariah actually went to go see the BTS um, documentary movie. So we saw that. But the movie I saw, the last movie I saw before COVID was um, Little Women. Oh, oh, good one. Cool. Good score, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I but I that one was as great as the original one, the one with um, Winona Ryder. Yeah, like, yeah, well, she's amazing. Like, all, like, all in all. Like, <laughs> like so, so let's see why. Oh, you're talking about Winona Ryder, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny? Um, I was. Uh, this is a random thought I have about her. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> I know this is completely different than movie soundtracks, but I feel like um, every time she's in a movie, she's always like emphasizing on her S's. Have you noticed that? No, I haven't noticed that. Like now, I, now I probably will, but <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I was hoping to do a Stranger Things rewatch soon, so I'll have to be watching out for that. Yeah. But. She's a legend. Yeah. Brian, what was the last movie you saw in theater? Oh, boy. <laughs> so it was, I had a good time watching this movie, but, you know, I just, when I think about it now, like, man, like, I wish it was a different movie because the last movie I saw in theaters was Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, <laughs> that was my brother's last movie, too. Yeah. Like, it, it was good, but, like, someone, like, from the future told me, like, oh, don't watch that. Like, this is going to be your last movie you can watch in a long time in theaters. Like, I probably would have watched, like, Lighthouse with, like, the Rob Patterson won the foe. Um, but no, it was, it was a good movie. I had a good time. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny saying that, though. Yeah, I heard some good reviews on my movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I definitely would love to um, check it out. Yeah, it, it was pretty good. You know, it's, I, I think it was good. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for... Um, for being able to do this and Brian, we really enjoyed your your company today. Um and I know it was virtually, but I think this was such a fun episode. This is so far probably been my favorite episode we've done so far. This is something I've been looking forward to doing for a while now. Oh, yeah, thank, really thank you. Good. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, no, no problem. I, thank you for inviting me. I had such a great time, you know, like I I love just talking about movies, you know, with people and even just for like an hour straight or two hours straight, but it was a great time. Thank you so much for, for having me around. <laughs> you know, the conversation is going well that when you could talk about it for such a long time, like there's never like awkward silence or anything like that. It's just like, you know, good, like honest conversations. That's what we like love to bring to the table when we do like these episodes. Oh, so cool. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I always had I need I always feel like oh, I need my fix to watch go to movie theaters but like I can't so like I think you two really helped me today you know <laughs> fill that hole in my heart of movie popcorn that cost like twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely would love to have you again back on our um, on another episode sometime. I'll be I'll be happy to come back. Thank you so much. And I hope we can all go to the movies together. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the next Avengers movie that comes out. Yeah. Oh man. Whenever that is. <laughs> One day. One day. Put a pin on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for joining us, and we hope everyone stays safe and make these last two months of 2020 um, the best you can you can do and the best you can be. What else can I say? Any words of encouragement, anybody? Uh, keep your distance and keep your mask on. And vote. Vote this week. Turn in, yes, your, of turn in your ballot. Okay. This will Real. be voted before the election. So make sure you go vote. Um, know your voting rates and go vote. It doesn't matter who you're voting for at this point. Just vote. Make a difference. <laughs> I second that. <laughs> and you get a cool sticker. It's, do anything for a cool sticker. It's free. Oh. And you get a cool sticker, so, you know. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the person what, that voting wins because they get a cool sticker. <laughs> We're all winning. Yeah. We all <laughs> it's wow. all like so simple. <laughs> right.
Oh my goodness. Well, everyone continue to be kind to one another, stay safe, and hope everybody has a good rest of their night. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye, everybody. And...